This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know. Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years and the only broker you need. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now, join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome again to Ringler Radio. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, the head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations. And in case you're a first-time listener, you should know that every Ringler Radio show can be downloaded from our website, ringlerassociates.com, or from the legaltalknetwork.com. Well, today we're coming to you from the 2008 AAJ Annual Convention, uh, located this year in the heart of Philadelphia, which uh, around here they call Center City. And the convention is taking place uh, from July 12th through July 16th. Uh, if you haven't been to Philadelphia lately, it's really had a renaissance, and it's really a terrific uh, and a beautiful city. Well, joining me today is my colleague, Mike Casey. Mike, who has uh, recently been appointed chairman of the Board of Directors of Ringler. Congratulations, Mike. Uh, and he's in charge also of our Midwestern operations from his office in Chicago, Illinois. Mike has more than 30 years of claims instructed settlement experience. I've known him for years. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you, Larry. Thank you for the kind words. Larry, before we go farther, we're going to have a very interesting show today. I wanted to share a little bit with our Ringler listening audience about the voice of Ringler Radio, Larry Cohen. Uh, Larry and I have been friends for 25 years. Uh, Larry has always generously donated his time to Ringler Radio. We're going on four years now in existence. It's been a great success largely because of Larry. Larry has, uh, in case you didn't know, has been one of the foundation stones on which we built Ringler Associates, and that's he's how we became as successful as we've been in the industry. Larry's been a leading producer at Ringler, leading producer in all of our structure settlement industry so many years it's too hard to count. And on behalf of Ringler Associates, on behalf of the whole industry, and Mike and uh, Larry, from my personal friendship with you for 25 years, I just want to thank you for everything you've done for us. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Just just as I wrote it. Terrific. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, that was special, Mike. I appreciate it. Well, today on Ringler Radio, we'll be discussing uh, an interesting topic, uh, traumatic brain injuries. Uh, but instead of the typical way in many, that many of these injuries take place, we're going to be talking about a more controversial uh, uh, issue that has led to some serious injuries. And that's the use of aluminum bats in the game of baseball. And here, as we uh, sit around the All-Star break, baseball is on everybody's mind. And it's America's pastime, and uh, it's mostly equated with good old-fashioned fun. But in recent years, there have been a number of uh, some serious brain injuries, troubling things that have stemmed from the use of uh, aluminum bats in baseball games from the Little League on up. And our special guest today will be discussing whether some real-life cases, his efforts to pass a bill in his home state to exclude aluminum bats from baseball games, and really look ahead at what is being done to make baseball safer on the baseball diamond for all of us. Uh, our guest, special guest here to do all that, is attorney Tony Romanucci, the founding principal and partner in Romanucci and Blandin, LLC, from Chicago, Illinois. Since 1987, Tony has practiced solely in civil litigation, concentrating in serious personal injury, wrongful death, and workers' compensation claims. He successfully tried numerous civil jury trials and has handled arbitrations and compensation claims on behalf of his clients, obtaining literally tens of millions of dollars in recoveries. 
Uh, welcome to the show, Tony. And uh, it sounds like you should be playing ball for the Chicago Cubs or something, like a shortstop. That name is great. You can put me in any position on that field. I'll be happy. It doesn't well, matter. Because they're winning this. Yeah, Mike also is from Chicago, so uh, they're, they're coming in here with a big smile on their face. Well, let's kick off the show by uh, telling us a little bit about your firm, Tony, and, and what you specialize in. Uh, at our firm, Romanucci and Blandon, we, we've been around 11 years now, and um, our, our particular niche in, in Chicago is really helping people who've suffered catastrophic brain injury. Uh, of course, we'll help people with other types of disabilities or injuries, but we've been able to develop that, that, that expertise in the area by uh, developing a national network of experts and, and also trying cases, successfully trying cases for people who have traumatic brain injury. You have a, a reputation for being quite the expert in brain injuries. What's the most common results you see? What happens when we call it a brain injury? What are you seeing? Well, typically when you see a brain injury, you see people who are hurt who have what are called either frontal lobe injuries or temporal lobe injuries. That's either being hit right in the front of the face or on the side of the head. Uh, typically when you have those kinds of injuries, you have what are called blowout injuries, where, you, where the eye socket is shattered and there could be some uh, insult to the eye as well as the brain because if uh, you're hitting the face hard enough, you'll have pieces of the skull that may actually embed into the brain. So you may have a, a multi-systemic injury as a result of, of one type of blow to the head. Well, we know that a lot of this uh, for you started with a uh, case involving a 14-year-old boy who was struck by a line drive in the head. Uh, and uh, this whole issue of trying to get rid of the aluminum bats... Didn't it kind of emanate from that case? Tell us about that case. Well, sure it did. And, and you know, that, that case emanated not, not really from my perspective as an attorney, but also from being a parent, really, and a father. Um, I'm also a father of a 15-year-old boy who's played baseball for many, many years. And, and last year in, uh, in uh, Little League, um, one of my son's friends was pitching on opening day, and he was struck in the face by a line drive off of a metal bat. You know, mostly we, we talk about aluminum bats, but they're really composite bats. They're metal bats. They're made up of all different sorts of metals, the ones that work the best, whichever ones that uh, they find that hit the ball either farther or faster or develop the biggest sweet spot. So what happened, uh, this boy w was hit in the face. Um, it, it shattered his, his eye socket, uh, had to have plastic surgery, and, and the mother uh, became an advocate after that because... She was as she was watching the game progress as she this happened, she said that I barely heard the ping off the bat that my son was laying on the ground. So there was a simultaneous uh, component of the ball being hit and this boy just being laid flat on the ground. And that's she contacted me about wanting to do something, and that's how this whole thing started. Well, Tony, um, for those who don't know, uh, can you discuss the uh, the use of these metal bats and and versus wooden bats? Uh, why, why have they come into play at all? Why, why has there been this change? Well, I think historically, you know, metal bats came into play because they were perceived to be less expensive. Uh, you know, wood bats shatter, so you have to, you know, throw one wood bat out and, you know, go get another one. So historically, metal bats, aluminum bats were cheaper, and they were. But over time, uh, the scientists figured out that they could engineer metal bats by either developing um, a longer shaft by playing with the amount of pressurized gas that's contained within the uh, hollow shaft of the aluminum bat, um, you know, actually playing with the metal compounds. And they found out that, they, that little kids, men, uh, could hit the ball faster and farther with metal bats. 
So over time, they went from a cost-saving effect to really, um, shall we say, it became more of a fun game with metal bats because you, uh, have, you don't have a lot of two-to-one scores in Little League game. I challenge anybody to find me a two-to-one score. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, the whole reason why these injuries are occurring has a lot to do with the reaction times uh, from when the ball hits the bat to when uh, the ball comes back and hits the player. Uh, and those reaction times, I know, are somewhat infinitesimal. And I know in the major leagues, of course, uh, even though they use wooden bats, those times are very s- small. How about for the younger players with the with the aluminum or metal bats? Tell me about those reaction times. Can can a, can a pitcher, for example, react against the the bat the ball coming back? Is it possible physically to do that? Well, you raise a very interesting point because depending on where the pitcher is standing in little league, it could be from forty five feet, sixty feet, all the way up to the major league distance of, I forgot exactly what it is, somewhere in the 60 feet area. But, you know, for, for in generally speaking, um, perception reaction time is, is uh, 1.5 seconds, and that's broken down into half and half. 0.75 seconds to perceive the stimulus, another 0.75 seconds to react to it. So you mean, so you need about a one and a half seconds in order to uh, put that uh, mid up and catch that ball if it's coming at you. Or duck. <laughs> or duck and get out of the way. Right. So for, for a 12-year-old, that perception reaction time is going to differ, number one, because they're not as mature, and number two, if they're depending on what distance they're at from the ball. So it might actually even be uh, a much shorter time that they would need to perceive the ball in order to react to it. So for an adult who needs one and a half seconds to perceive and react, for a child, you may be asking them to perceive and react in one, one second or 1.2 seconds. Hmm. Now, last fall in a Major League Baseball game, a first base coach was killed by a line drive. Now, what was the MLB's reaction to that tragedy? Major League Baseball reacted immediately. Uh, right away, um, as of this season, they required all first and third base coaches to wear helmets. And you may or may not remember Larry Boa, the fiery uh, player for the Chicago Cubs, the Phillies. Yeah, the Phillies. Uh, he resisted that. Uh, he, he thought it was a horrible idea because it interfered uh, with his ability to call the game. And finally, he, he was forced into wearing it. But all if you look all up and down the line, first and third base coaches, they are wearing baseball helmets. Well, it's interesting. You, uh, you contacted a state representative, I think it was Bob Malaro, who introduced legislation this spring to ban the use of metal bats in all organized games involving children under the age of 13. That was it's quite an interesting, uh, you know, over, you know, somewhat, people would say, overreaching kind of an approach. How, how do you feel that uh, it's working out, having that kind of a, a, a law uh, introduced? Well, our, our biggest obstacle to all this, believe it or not, are parents themselves. You know, parents like the game. They like to see their sons or daughters hit balls into the outfield. They love to see home runs. <clears throat> they love to see base hits. And the whole point of, of a wooden bat versus a metal bat also has to do with the time of a game. It's about a 15 to 20-minute time difference uh, with a, when you're using a metal bat versus a wooden bat in a game. So the big, biggest obstacle have how been is, the how parents. How do you mean the time difference? What, 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 what is it? It's a longer game with a with metal bat or a shorter game? Sure, it's a, it's a much longer game with the metal bat because there are more base hits. There are more balls flying over the outfielder's heads. Um, you know, the ball, you know, gets into the outfield a lot faster. So, you know, the infielder traditionally can't move over to the side to pick up the ball. So the games last a lot longer. 
Uh, you know, on a personal note, uh, I raised two girls, so I wasn't really so, buying too many baseball so bats. But, <laughs> uh, but break my grandson, uh, who's eight years old, I took him out, and he was, wanted to get a baseball bat. When I went into the store, there probably were a hundred metal bats of different sorts. I, if there was a wooden bat in there, I didn't see it. So obviously, the demand is for these these metal bats, and, and a lot of them, like myself, was unaware of of the issues yeah. and the danger involved in it. What's I, the I, next? I know, one, I know one thing, Mike. I never found one metal Barbie doll when I was uh, <laughs> raising my girls. What, what's the next step in this uh, legislation, Tony? Well, the next step in the legislation is, is really to get support. You know, if we can get a broad base support. In Illinois, it's called House Bill 4140. Um, it did not get out of committee this session. Uh, it will be reintroduced in the fall. And separately, we have a, a Chicago alderman, Robert Fioretti, who will be introducing legislation in the Chicago City Council to ban the use of metal bats uh, also for children under 13. So we're, ta- we're taking a multifaceted approach. And, and thankfully... Since there has been so much publicity about the metal baseball uh, metal baseball bat issue, even the Chicago Tribune has taken up uh, this issue, and they have publicized it tremendously, and they are also pushing for some sort of change. Interesting. You know, uh, this has gotten a lot of publicity, obviously, especially in Chicago area. I know the Tribune uh, wrote an article this June entitled, More Safety Gear Urge for Young Ballplayers. And it really represented a movement to protect pitchers by having them use helmets, like you were talking about the coaches on the first and third baseline, having the pitcher themselves have a helmet on instead of just a soft cap. Uh, Can you give us a summary of the article and and, and what's been the reaction to that? Yeah, uh, there, there were two Ohio State University pediatricians who published an article in the journal Pediatrics who suggested that in order to cut down on baseball-type injuries from ball-leaving bat as opposed to ankle injuries or, or leg injuries, that all infielders, including pitchers, start wearing helmets with face guards. So their conclusion was in order to cut down the injuries that we need to start you know, armoring the children. Well, you know, it's interesting you should say that because I can imagine the cartoonist coming up with uh, full body armor on these kids in the field to, to kind of show where that may be going. So I'm, cause I'm sure there are obviously two sides of the argument as to whether to do that or not. Uh, and you've seen this in other sports where uh, in hockey, for example, they for, for years the goalies never wore masks and then they wore a mask. And then the players never wore helmets and then they wore helmets. And it's interesting to the eye. When you look back at the old days, you see a hockey game, for example, it looks very weird to see these guys with bare heads flying around the ice, and now the helmets and the face guards seem, seem appropriate. Do you think it's going to come to a situation where that proposal is going to take place, where they'll have, you'll have baseball players with face guards and helmets? Well, I don't want to say this is my idea because it's not, but what, what the experts have been saying that this idea will not take root until... Major League Baseball does the same thing. Children emulate Major League Baseball players. I mean, I do too at my age. So, yeah, right. um, so in order for children to do this, Alex Rodriguez and Derek Jeter and the Carlos Zambranos of the world will also have to start doing it. Until that happens, uh, I, I don't see this proposal really uh, becoming popular. And, and that's why in, if we're going to protect the children, you're going to have to start with the equipment and, and not really armoring them. 
Yes. Well, you know, it's not just uh, Little League and all that. I mean, it's gone into the colleges as well. I mean, Notre, wasn't there a Notre Dame player, a pitcher who was hit by a line drive that also got severely injured? Tell me in, about in, that. In May of this year, um, it was the same thing. It's, it's widely available on the Internet. Um, there, there was a ball hit off the bat of, of a college player. And if you look at it, it was the same thing. Before the ping was over, the ball player was down. And uh, very recently, uh, you know, within the past six months, an 18-year-old uh, Montana boy was killed by a line drive um, that struck him in the head. There was a uh, 12-year-old boy from New Jersey who suffered traumatic brain injury, not from being hit in the head, but he was hit in the chest. His heart stopped. He became anoxic. Uh, and now has brain damage as a result of that. Uh, it's interesting you bring up other states. Uh, you're taking the lead for this in Illinois for us. What, what do you see? Are others around the country taking uh, up the crusade on the aluminum bats? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, New York City has banned metal baseball bats. Uh, they, they successfully passed legislation, and it also passed constitutional muster. It went up to their uh, Supreme Court level, which is the lower district level, and they found that there was a rational basis for banning the use of metal bats solely because they could cause harm. There wasn't any conclusive data that they were able to find that they did increase the risk of injury, but there was enough legislative um, intent in the bill to demonstrate that metal bats could harm. Interesting. Well, let's take a short break right now, and when we return, we'll continue this discussion on a very interesting and somewhat unique topic about how to get the game of baseball a bit safer than it is today. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio, Internet radio from Ringler Associates. Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Experience counts. Over 130,000 cases structured. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to ringlerassociates.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. We invite you to listen to our other shows on the Legal Talk Network and become a member. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. Did you know that Legal Talk Network shows are also available as CLE? Including Ringler Radio. Visit law.com's CLE Center at www.clecenter.com. That's clecenter.com to enjoy listening and get CLE credit. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. I'm your host, Larry Cohen. I'd like to welcome back our my colleague and co-host today, Mike Casey, chairman of the board of directors of Ringler Associates and the uh, leader of our Midwest operations, <laughs> and attorney Tony Romanucci, founding principal and partner in Romanucci and Blandin LLC out of Chicago. Tony's taken the lead on this uh, area of safety in baseball, and the aluminum bat issue is right at the top of that list. Uh, you know, Tony, as you fight this crusade, so to speak, against the metal bats and, and for safety in baseball, I'm assuming that the metal bat manufacturers 
have been putting up a little bit of a fuss about this. Uh, New York City, as you said, banned the metal bats. I'm sure there was a a lot of reaction to that on behalf of the manufacturers. How is how are the manufacturers dealing with your crusade? Well, as you can imagine, they've literally come out swinging. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good line. You, you, you tossed that one right at me, there so I couldn't resist it. But 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 they have. Um, they've even they've they've taken this battle actually right to me. They they've written to me. They've. Uh, done everything they can to try and stop me from, you know, proposing and, and continuing to bring this legislation hopefully to fruition. Uh, within the past 30 days, they contacted me again saying that I'm wrong, uh, that metal bats do not propel the ball uh, faster or farther than wooden bats, and they give me all the statistics. However, they still don't address the central issue uh, with metal bats versus wooden bats, and that's the sweet spot. Um, you talk to any scientist any father who has any sense of what's going on in the baseball field or any coach, and if, even, if they're totally unbiased about this situation, they'll tell you that those metal bats have a sweet spot that is exponentially larger than that of a wooden bat. Well, let me ask you this then. If, if there was a way that the metal bat manufacturers could in some way dampen the effect of the sweet spot and yet still maintain the metal nature of the bat, could that be a solution to this problem rather than banning the metal bats themselves and going back to the wooden bats with the areas with the issues of cost and, and breakage, et cetera? Is there a way they can muffle the bat to an extent that would satisfy what you're trying to do? Well, I think anything is possible. And I think in, in a perfect world, if somebody were able to prove that one substance versus another substance is equal in all effects, then I, I think you raise a very good point. But that hasn't, that, that hasn't happened yet. You know, metal bats, as Mike pointed out, uh, cost three to four hundred dollars, not because they're made of gold or gadolinium or or platinum. It's because they do something better than a thirty or forty dollar wooden bat. What is it that they do better? They're engineered, and they last ten times as long. See, if a thirty dollar wooden bat breaks, ten, you know, you keep breaking them. Theoretically, the the metal bat, which never breaks. You can charge, let's say, three hundred dollars because it's going to last forever. It's, it seems to me that part of that is in the makeup of the cost. But I think if you could muffle that bat, maybe you got something there. Well, so I'd, I'd say, Larry, though, and I'm a golfer, and we used to I'm an old timer, so I used to hit a wooden persimmon head wood. And when we came out with the titanium golfers, I could hit the ball twenty yards farther. And I think the demand out there is, if as long as it's there and somebody can hit the ball farther, that's what people react to. Let's give them what they want. And that, I, that's true. That's and true. I that's believe true. that it's information about the damage that it is doing that it needs to get out there, so there's more support to protect these kids. I, I think one one thing that I recently reviewed uh, came from a, a high school baseball coach who said, who was trying to actually. Um, he was a proponent of, of metal bats, but he said, however, you know, one time is enough to see one child getting hit in the head. Sure, especially with, you know, it's your, God forbid, your child. Mike, by the way, when you were playing golf, did you hit those gutta percha balls, or what, what kind of balls were you hitting? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, is it true that there's been a movement, really, to bring back the wooden bats? I mean, aren't there some wooden bat tournaments going on right now i've, I've heard of some of that there, there's been a lot of traditionalism lately that's come back into place and you see a lot of leagues across the country who if they haven't completely switched to wooden bats what they will do is they will hold wood bat tournaments and um i, I think there's been a, a, a tremendous movement to, to to do that well and uh 
I think you made a good point, an excellent point, Tony, that the kids do emulate the pros. And uh, strangely, however, right now we still see, although the pros are wooden bats, we see uh, through college, we see aluminum bats. Do you foresee this being a change in baseball uh, as we know it now? I, I think so. I mean, I think certainly this has momentum right now. Um, there's been a lot, a lot of coverage and publicity about the metal bat versus wood bat issue. It's something that'll take time. I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight, but truly, if these children will emulate our, our, you know, our true stars in the major in the major leagues, they'll see that wood bats can actually help their game and improve their skills as opposed to aluminum bat or metal bats. Well, you know, we talked a little bit about the reaction you've seen from the manufacturers, and you've had, uh, you know, some pretty, I'm sure, some heated uh, arguments coming back at you. What, what's been the reaction from other areas? The parent, you know, most of the parents, Little League Baseball, for example. What has been the reaction from some of those more organized leagues? Well, when I talk to people about this bill, I mean, I get a lot, a lot of support for it, and 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 even parents who have children playing saying, "Yeah, we know about it, but." You know, so they're always taking that chance that it's not going to be my child, but they're aware of that risk. When you go outside of the actual parent or or the coaches, then I would say there's almost unilateral support, especially when you talk to the pediatricians, the orthodontists, the entodontists, the oral surgeons, uh, the neurologists. Um, they they have basically hundred percent support for uh, ridding the game of of metal bats. Well, that's interesting. Uh, what what can we do from this point forward? You know, what can parents and baseball teams and attorneys like yourself do to help eliminate these bats? I, I, I think hopefully a show like this will help us get the word out, but what other things can we do? Well, first of all, protect your child. I mean, the first thing to do is, especially if your child is a pitcher and he's of a relatively young, he or she is of a young age, 13 or 14, make sure you protect him with a mouth guard and a heart guard if they're on that pitcher's mound. That heart guard is, is widely available, and uh, it's relatively inexpensive and, 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 and certainly will, will protect your child in case they're hit in the chest. Secondly is start demanding from the coaches and from your leagues because you can have, you can have wooden bats mandated within your leagues because most of these are park districts or private leagues, and they have boards, and they can mandate wooden bats. So if parents become vocal enough, they can actually, as parents themselves who sit on those boards, uh, ask for the wooden bats in the leagues. And, and finally, have the leagues themselves, have Little League Baseball, Inc., have, have they uh, been in contact with you in terms of this whole issue? Have they, had, have they taken a stand one way or another? It, well, in, 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 in Illinois, they have taken a stand, and the stand is against uh, the ban of, of, of metal bats for right now. You know, their, their, their line is that the data is yet, um, it's not conclusive enough, and we don't know. But don't forget, New York didn't even wait for that. They said, if, if, if there's a chance that they're more dangerous, we're banning them. So, again, in New York, Little League games now have wooden bats? Is that what I'm... That, that's correct. Okay. And also in North Dakota, and I know New Jersey has legislation pending, which I, uh, I believe has not passed yet. Well, Tony, it's been a very interesting discussion. I'm glad you. I'm glad you were here to do it. It's. It's. I'm sure an, an issue that a lot of our listeners aren't even familiar with. That that's even gotten to the point where you've brought it. So I, I congratulate you for that. And uh, Tony, if someone wanted to get in touch with you for more information, how would they do that? Well, they could either contact the office at uh, area code three one two four five eight one thousand, or our website, which is rblaw.net. 
Super. And Mike, if someone wanted to talk to you, how would they get a hold of you? Well, they'd probably go call you first, and you can refer them to <laughs> My number in Chicago is 1-800-332-0427. Or you can always find us on our website, and you can tell that's, them about that. That's Larry. for sure, yeah. RinglerAssociates.com. You can reach all of the Ringler Associates around the country, and they'll be happy to talk to you about any of the issues and problems that you're trying to deal with. So until next time, thanks for listening, everyone. Now, this is Larry Cohen, your host, saying go out and make it a great day. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Ringler Associates, experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Ringler Radio is produced by broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network.